Hello and welcome to You Haven't Seen That Toby Edition <laughs> with Toby and... Uh, I'm Chris. Hello. Welcome. And we are here to watch movies, classic movies that I myself have not seen, neglected to watch, and now I'm finally getting around to watching them. I, li- I like it. The intro is getting more and more succinct as we go along. Yeah, it's not so <laughs> convoluted this time. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You're getting a handle, you're getting a handle on it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the classic films are... So you chose this week's film, actually. It's, it's an interesting one that I didn't expect you to kind of jump at so quickly. Oh, look, I've always wanted to see this. I'm a bit of a fan of the good old musicals. West Side Story. Unlike other classics... West Side Story grows younger. It's just made, like, it's in the pop culture zeitgeist and I've just always wanted to know what those songs like originally sounded like yeah i was not disappointed yeah yeah and i I mean another reason why we chose to do this film uh early on as well was because obviously the steven spielberg uh, remake was coming out in december uh that we sort of thought like hey it'd be cool to sit down do this one in october like a month or two before the remake comes out but uh that's now uh We've got, we're now uh, 14 months ahead of schedule. Yeah, so <laughs> Cats, Cats 2.0 will have to take a back seat until next year, unfortunately. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit... I don't want to say better, because I love Cats. Yeah, I don't <laughs> um, know how any musical could top Cats, to be honest with you. That, yeah. is, that, like, that movie is pretty spectacular, and I will fight anyone who says anything different. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the Spielberg West Side Story is going to be a little bit... It's going for something a little bit more low-key <laughs> than Cats, maybe. more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I guess, should we, should we kick it off with a little bit of a plot synopsis for anyone that hasn't seen West Side Story before? Plot synopsis, yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I got a good way that we can succinctly do this. Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, have you seen or read Romeo and Juliet? If the answer is yes... You know West Side Story. <laughs> Move on to page 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, down to the point that this is apparently, uh, to date, is the most successful adaptation of a Shakespeare play uh, except for The Lion King. Is it? What? 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 Uh, wait. So this is legitimately like a Romeo and Juliet kind of adaptation? Oh, yeah. No, it is a flat out, like, okay. they took the, um, I, th- I want to say... Decapitulates and the Montagues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is actually Stephen Soddenheim and uh, Leonard Bernstein actually actively making a modern version of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, so I didn't didn't actually cross my mind. I just the similarities were there, but I didn't even think that, hey, this is a legitimate version of it. Oh yeah. Let's rewind back to Lion King. Yeah. So what what is that a Oh that's Hamlet. Yeah, Hamlet Shakespeare, yeah that's right, the young prince whose father died at the hands of his uncle with whom his mother lied. Sound familiar? It's the fucking Lion King. Huh. Yeah, that's that's Hamlet. Wow. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, like, in terms of, like, box office successful yeah. adaptations West and obviously stories. loose adaptations, uh, this this still holds the the uh, number two spot. Where's the Buzz Lumen one? Um, I'm going to guess that's probably number three or four. 
Yeah, it's a good movie. I think as well, like, you know, it was good, but it wasn't, like, didn't have the lasting impact that West Side Story had. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jets and the Sharks. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, a more, <laughs> like, relevant plot synopsis. You have uh, the two rival gangs in New York, the Jets and the Sharks. The uh, Tinos and the, uh, oh, are they, like, just Italian? Or yeah, no, they're Italians. That's because there's the scene where they're in Doc's uh, sort of candy shop where they uh, throw racial slurs back and forth. You cross the line once too often. You started it. Who jumped baby John this afternoon? Who jumped me the first day I moved here? Who asked you to move here? Who asked you? Who were you Back where you came from. Spix. Mick. What? That's right. Yeah. It's, a pretty, it's a pretty racist movie. Like. It's very racist film. Um. <laughs> that was pretty. That was very surprising for me. I was not expecting that. And yeah, that's uh, yeah. What, what era is it? Nineteen sixty-one. Sixty-one. Yeah, I suppose that's the that's the time, isn't it? Yeah, and I believe that it, it's a very quickly adapted into the film off of the Broadway musical. Like it started as a Broadway show. Yeah. And I think that was 1956, 57. Who, who'd you say that wrote it? Uh, Stephen Sondheim, Sondheim and uh, Leonard Bernstein. He's old. He's still alive, isn't he? I, be- I don't know Sondheim. I th- maybe. I think possibly. The other big one for me of his is uh, Sweeney Todd. Is okay, His yeah. big other one. Well, that, um, okay, that's pretty crazy. That So it was 58 and then it was made into a movie in 61. Uh, 57 was 57, music. yeah. Wow, that's a pretty quick turnaround. A yeah, very quick turnaround. Um, yeah, and even to the point of... I've uh, done gangbusters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that like later on in the episode, how, how well this did. But um, yeah, no, and it was a very kind of... You know, it, it set the Broadway scene on fire and everyone was very interested into it, in it. So it's like, well, let's... It was that thing that used to happen back in the day where it was like, well, let's... We've got a... I mean, God, it where happens now <laughs> where it's... We've got a hot property. Let's quickly adapt it, and for an audience that wouldn't normally get a chance to see it on Broadway. Were they all? I suppose we'll touch on this in a little bit. Were they all Broadway actors? Um, no. Okay. They are all just uh, actor actors, and uh, ex- with the exception of uh, George George Chikiris, yeah. who plays Bernardo, who had uh, played the role in the um, uh, London West End version of okay. the stage show. Yeah. Um, I, I did love, I watched this with Claire and then when, um, Bernardo shows up and he's, uh, she pointed out like, so is he actually Puerto Rican or do, is he wearing brown face? And like, that guy's from Ohio. <laughs> so he's not Puerto Rican. No. So there's, there's quite a bit of, uh, browning up in this. Well, they're pretty like well-trained, like, da- well, they must be dancers then. Yeah, no, well, that was it. Like, uh, the big one, like Ross Tamblin, who plays Riff, um, yeah. he was, uh, a gymnast not, uh, he was like a tumble guy a who tumbler. was like yeah. on contract by this is back in the day where actors were oh, contracted, contracted to, to studios, like studios. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. MGM and all that kind yeah of so he, yeah. he was like one of their stock yeah. dan- song and dance guy yeah. numbers and like you know you, you can have him for three movies yeah which is why he he doesn't have much in the way of dancing but when he does he does like lots of flips and like yeah. you know backflips and tumbles yeah. and stuff that that was more his speed break dancing in the 60s apparently I love this as well during the research I saw that uh, he apparently was really hated how he looked dancing in the film and he thought he just absolutely ruined it but then at the uh, world premiere, uh, Fred Astaire came up to him and said, like, you dance real good in that. And he was like, ah, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a boost of confidence. <laughs> okay. Mm. But, um, I mean, let, let, let's get into it at this yeah. point. Um, so, I mean, the, the whys of why we chose this film is pretty obvious. It, it has a massive lasting impact. Um, hugely successful and obviously be, being remade by Steven Spielberg soon. But... 
you having what did you know about it before going in absolutely nothing I uh, knew it was about two gangs um, I didn't really know I guess there was like you know a love story involved with it but I didn't know that it was you know, Romeo and Juliet yeah necess- necess- I can't say necessarily um, <laughs> necessarily yeah I didn't realise it was one of those kind of stories uh, I knew that there were songs from like I knew that certain songs like um, oh god now I can't even think of any of the song names like um, the When You're a Jet song yeah like, When You're a Jet like the Play It Cool Boy actually I didn't know that song was from here the, the clicking one at the start like, yeah that, that, I knew that was from this movie. The Maria song as well. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, I knew that was from here. But there were other, a lot of other songs that I'd heard, you know, from referenced or in other movies or, you know, pop culture kind of things. Like Officer Cup, Cup, Kropke. Yes. Didn't realise that was from here. Which uh, I'm guessing you famously know, same as me, from uh, the great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, Larry David. Is that your name? Yeah. Kropke? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, Matt Krupke. You're Officer Krupke! I am. Familiar with West Side Story? No, sir. <laughs> what? There's a character in West Side Story named Officer Krupke. Okay. You're Officer Krupke. You never heard the song? No, sir. Oh, Officer Krupke, what are we to do? Gee, Officer Krupke, crop you! Uh, the, the Cool Boy song, like, play it, cool boy. Mm. I didn't realise that was from this movie as well. And there was there was another couple that I I mean, didn't... you're yet to touch on what I would call the biggest song from this movie and the one that I, I really wish I could have seen your reaction to be like, oh, this is from this, is America. I like to be in America, okay by me in America, everything free in America. Yeah, I had no idea that was from this movie as well. Yeah, and I think that's what makes this film so... Well, this play, I guess. Uh... Yeah, that's what makes this such a classic, is that it's one of those rare occasions with a musical where the songs transcend... Yeah, I knew the tune, I knew the melody, of, even though I didn't know the lyrics or anything, but I knew that I want to be in America, because I've heard that so many times before in movies, TV shows, or like... You know, I'm gonna. I'm Family Guy, for example. Not. I don't even know if they have. I don't watch that show. But I'm sure that they would have done. You know, some kind of rip off on on my, one of these songs. Oh, it's for just, sure. Just in the zeitgeist. So yeah. that was. That's really the main reason that like it. I wanted to see this and why. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. And the thing that I was uh, most shocked by was, uh, what what was your reaction to it? I, I loved it. I, mm. I, my reaction was one of glee. Yeah. I had a giant smile on my face from the minute that that stupid long intro, like, got The to overture, <laughs> yeah. essentially. And it just got to them in the, like, the gym, the, you know, the park, the concrete jungle, and they're just standing there. You can't see me, guys, but they're just standing up against the cyclone fence, and they're all clicking. Yep. And it just had the biggest smile on my face. I really, really enjoyed it, like, that's, I guess, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, in that early scene as well, like, you know, going into that basketball game and the guy... the Dance fights, man. Dance, dance fights. Fight. And the kid that they steal the basketball from and give back to, randomest bit of trivia, that's Macaulay Culkin's dad. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. There's uh, Macaulay and Kieran and Rory Culkin's dad. You yeah. know that. <laughs> wow. Uh, but what was that question that you asked? How did... Well, 
Oh, just what what would did you think of the film? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it, it was. I really dug all the music, all the musical numbers, all the dance fighting, all the dance scenes, all of that kind of stuff. I just it was very enjoyable. It made me feel good inside. Which is like, again, this is why I'm so happy with this because I'd seen this film uh, a couple of times before. It is, you know, in that pantheon of great classics and um, I I thought you might be a little bit meh on this one. I, yeah. I, I was surprised how much you loved it. Yeah, it's like this and Singing in the Rain is another one that I haven't oh, seen God, that I, I really want to I really want to see as well. Just like all those old 60s like known early theater musical mm. cross movies I just have a real interest in. I don't know why. I just yeah. think that I need to see them. For well, some yeah, well, let's let's try and unpack why that is, Mike, maybe. Um because like I one of the big problems for me with this movie is um the acting. But yeah, so I didn't care for any of the story because once I figured out it was a Romeo and Juliet story, I'm just like, okay, so that one, someone's going to do something to annoy this person and someone's going to die yeah. and then the X is going to happen and why. So the story is very predictable and the mm. acting was very over the topish. But I, I mean, I, a big asterisk when I say I'm not a fan of the acting, there's uh, one performance in particular I'm not a fan of. Who's and it, uh, it is. Um, it is Richard uh, Bremer as Tony. I, I'm not a fan of. Oh, because he's like 60 years old? Well, he's just very wooden. But despite all of that, I'm like, oh, we'll get, let, let's, let's, put a pin, let's put a pin in that for a sec, because I don't want to, ex- like, you know, dump on the film right at the beginning. Um, do you reckon, it, like, the exuberance and just the sheer fun of the musical numbers is kind of what pushed you over the edge to, like, loving this so much? Yeah, I think so. That's what kept me involved and kept me in. So the first, I think, up to the intermission, it is a four-and-a-half-star film, like, yeah just because it just moves it just keeps going the interstitial stuff is it's there and brings the story along but it's not long drawn out pieces because it's then not great actors I guess Um, no 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 no. like let me say I think some of them are incredible actors yeah but you can tell that a lot of them are just dancers and it's dancing's their first job I guess Mm. Uh, and all those musical numbers are top notch and they're really great and then it gets the intermission and it's got that really great song I feel pretty so pretty I feel pretty and witty and gay and I pity any girl who's in me today which is amazing but then it turns into a movie versus a musical. Well, that's interesting, yeah, because, like, what you were just saying about how it moves so quickly, this is nearly a three-hour-long film. Yeah, two it and is a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. It is, like, we're starting off real solid with uh, Braveheart as two-and-a-half hours, yeah. this, I think, like, 240, 245. Uh, two, 233. Yeah. So we're starting off with some heavy, like, long yeah. stuff now, but... You're right, it, it, especially the first half, it feels like a very true adaptation of a Broadway show. That's what I would have expected. Yeah, where it is 90% song, and then you have little scenes that maybe of dialogue that last like two to three minutes to bridge songs. So I haven't seen all of Hamilton, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. but from what I've seen, that's how that is. Oh, Hamilton's like uh, 95% Book, Book, of, yeah. Book of Mormon, is, yeah. there's barely any speaking in it. And, and if there is, it's like these little short little, bumpers. Little bits, which is what I like about musicals, because when I'm feeling in the mood for, you know, those like musical numbers and real great dance fighting, that's what I want to watch. Mm. So the, the, in the first half of the movie, I 
I love, I really love. Mm. I think it gets let down in the second half because, yeah, I think it does turn into more of a movie because the dance numbers are more spaced apart. So the first, like, once you hit back from intermission, it is that I'm pretty song. And then there's a whole, like, monologue between her and her friend, like Maria and her friend. And Anita, yep. Yeah, and then the cop comes and then she goes to, like... Um, she goes somewhere and it's well, you've like got, a 10 well, minute 10 minute 15 minutes of the, just like talking I, I think it is things a, I don't care like it, it, it's mainly because like before intermission happens in the film it is a very lopsided where it's like yeah. intermission comes like an hour 20 into a you know there's there's more front half than there is back yeah, half yeah it's I feel if it was like more spaced out evenly mm. then it wouldn't be such a shock and it would be an easier watch I found it harder to finish off the movie than it was to get into the first half of the movie. Yeah. Like, if I'm here to watch a musical, I'm here to watch a musical. I'm not here to watch a movie. Which is interesting because, like, in terms of plot and, like, where the story goes, it gets more dramatic and more interesting in the back half. But are you saying it's because of the lack of those... The musical numbers and things. Yeah. It's, I, I or is it a lack? Is it a change of tone? It is. In the it's a, well, it is. It's a change of tone. It's a change of pace, and it's a change of style, I guess. Because the first, in the the first part, it is so top heavy with the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. I feel if they probably added maybe two into the second half and cut out a bit of jibber jabber here and there, yeah, um, you'd still get the same effect, but it would still probably feel closer to the to the first part yeah like like I said just before if I want to watch a musical I want to watch a musical throughout I don't care if it's two and a half hours long and there's an intermission I want to see song little bits of dialogue song little bits of dialogue yeah when it's the first part is musical and then it turns into a different type of movie it feels because there is like only four four like musical numbers or whatever versus say eight it just feels like a different type of movie because it's just paced differently it is it's all edited the same it all looks the same but it's story it's just trying to get the story across that they couldn't get across the, I don't know maybe it was no no I, I, I get totally what you're meaning and I but what I think is interesting is I think there might be that underpinning element of the second half is darker well yeah it is and and it's that thing of I think why there's this is just me trying to justify I, I'm def, I'm like I'm talking on behalf of the film here. Yeah. <laughs> um, would the theater play like be like that though? You know I've never yes. seen the theater, so the theater yeah. play is top. This is a very faithful so adaptation. It's very one to one ish kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe that's maybe I have a problem with the actual Where, play itself. Yeah. That I do with, with the movie, so it, it. I think what it is is because. In that first half, you need you. Ha- it has so much heavy lifting in terms of song and plot because it's introducing you to the world, who yeah. our characters are, establishing the relationships of the gangs, yeah. as well as then the burgeoning love between Maria and Tony. Yeah. And then all that happens in the second half, it, it's it it's less. It, well, I mean, because of that Romeo yeah. and Juliet aspect of you have the gang meetings, you have the death of Bernardo and Riff, and then you know the the culmination of the death of Tony and things, but it's, it's because it's, we've established everything we need to establish. There's not as many musical numbers to be like, this is who this is. And this is us. I I get that. Like, I mean, I guess the musical numbers could be taken as a 
positive or a like you know a mm. happy way of introducing kind of things and then when it does get to the more serious you don't exactly want to have sad songs well <laughs> that's what I was when you were saying that I was just thinking I kind of do like mm. I, I'd prefer to see you know like there is that song where Maria is, is pining over Tony and she's singing this song and all that just wait Maria just wait and see Gorgeously stained glass yeah. window lit room. Yeah, and, holy crap. Like, why couldn't a lot of that stuff be done in song? Like when, um, hmm. what was Maria's friend called? An- An- Anita. Anita. When she goes to tell, like, when she goes to meet up with the other gang and, you know, in the soda, in the soda pop place. The, the candy shop. The Doc's candy, candy shop. Doc's candy shop. Like, that whole scene could have been done in song. Like, that could have been done in a proper but, musical But, but what I found interesting about that scene in particular is, and why I'm going to disagree with that being in song, mm. is because it's one of the rare occasions where it actually some reality yeah. bleeds in. That's true. That's, and, that's very true. I, I agree. And, yeah. and that, like, down to the point, apparently, while they were filming that scene... Uh, Rita Moreno like broke down and had like a ment like started wow. bawling because she was actually sexually assaulted in her teens oh, wow. and that and then apparently all the floods back yeah down. and so all the guys who were playing the Jets were like hey just calm down baby cakes it's just the movie <laughs> oh, God. yeah Jeez. like in true sixty style um, uh, so yeah. yeah like I I can understand the reasoning why it isn't as musical in the later half of it. I still have a problem with it because I kind of want it to be. Yeah. Uh, but you still do have those great... There's a lot of music, but not songs. Like, yeah. there's the whole dance sequence about, like, ice taking over. Yeah, the play the, it cool. Yeah, but then it just flows into, like, a 10, 15-minute yeah. interpretive dance number, yeah. almost, as opposed to... And where they're visually explaining the plot, as opposed to yeah. singing it to us, I guess. So, yeah, it's kind of like my biggest gripe with the whole film I guess and it's not the film it's more the theatre play which yeah. I didn't didn't realise um on that note like okay uh filmically though mm-hmm. because like again we're not we, we've we've set our piece about the plot and everything <laughs> but as a film how did it play for you and I'm talking like in terms of like um technique wise like did it did this necessarily feel dated for you no so I think anything like this is just a biased view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything from the '60s, it could be really bad. I'm gonna love just because of the way it's shot, the mm. film, the feel of it. Like it just translates really well. It's I grew up on things like that. This was shot really well, incredibly I, well. I really dug it. Like it actually felt like it. It felt like a theater, like a musical. It actually felt like a musical. Like everything was a set, which I know a lot of it was all just sets. I don't think any of it was no, on location. No, no, a lot of it was on location. Oh, okay. And that's what I loved myself watching it was like how you would see it jump from like, oh, they're actually on a New York street right yeah. now versus, oh, like where, where are the show, the gang meeting happens and when uh, Bernardo and Riff die, that's clearly a, and the final climax, that's a set. Play it cool in the car park is a set. Yeah, but then the whole opening number on the yeah. basketball court, that's real. That's yeah. actually in and the streets of New York. felt like you, you would have been sitting there like, They've taken that and put it in a theatre yeah. kind of thing. It felt really good. Which is what made me kind of interested to see, to see the Spielberg remake because all these kind of filmed musicals we've had lately in cinemas... Um, you know, CG heavy. Like. Either Cats or like Les Mis. I'm just dumping on Tom Hooper right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's it very clearly 
inside a set, whereas yeah. and I, which is why I think this stands it's out. It's very open. It felt like you were in New York. You, it's taking you out into the, it's bringing yeah. this world of musical theater and putting it into the world. Yeah, it, it really felt like that, and yeah, I, I dug it. Like it was shot really well. That I can't knock any anything like that. Well, um, it's very the thing that I found like the most interesting thing to me about the production of this film is um, it actually had two directors. Oh, really? um, Jerome Robbins, who was actually the director and choreographer of the original Broadway show. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, he initially refused to work on the film. Uh, they wanted to bring him in as the choreographer. Yeah. And he refused to work on the film unless he could direct it. Yeah. Uh, the producer, Walter Murch, he was really nervous about handing over the reins to him because it's like, you've never made a film before. Yeah. You're a theatre guy. And so he enlisted uh, Robert Wise to help co-direct it with him. I uh, will get into Robert Wise in a minute because oh. it's going to break your brain because okay. I know you're a big fan of Robert Wise without oh. knowing it. <laughs> um, and so basically it was, hey, Jerome Robbins, yeah. you direct all the musical numbers, um, Robert Wise will do all the stuff. Yep. scenes. But uh, basically because Robbins wasn't used to directing film, he would shoot, he would, he would David Fincher it. He would go over long, over, too many takes, too many things, and ended up like going insanely over budget and behind oh, schedule. Really? And he got fired. The choreographer guy? Yep. He oh. got fired off of the film, and Robert Weiss then had to discontinue directing the rest of it. So, um, did I, it Weiss was still all the, like, a lot of musical numbers as well, or not? I think there was a lot of this was shot in sequence as okay. well, yeah. and so it was a lot of towards the back half of the film where, and if you look, the, well, like, the, that opening this... scene is so dynamic how yeah, it is it's, shot. It's so good. Like, um, I, I keep going back to the Play It Cool song because I've watched it a few times. Mm. But you can clearly tell that that was shot on two different days on two completely different yeah. sets. And if, if Weiss was... Fi- I mean, the choreographer guy was fired earlier on, it would make mm. sense that this guy's directed this. Because yeah. it just doesn't have the impact of the earlier stuff. Yeah. There is some really, like, the ball... We haven't even talked yeah. about the club scene, like... Oh, well, well, yeah, I want to get into that next, like, but, like, the, that initial scene where they're on the basketball court, get up at, like, the clicking yeah, yeah, yeah. overture, there are camera angles in that that are so interesting. So down low and, like, up, looking And, like, up. walking directly into the camera yeah. for a cut point and things. And what I think is so interesting about all of that is because Jerome Robbins is not a film director. Yeah, he, He's never had someone say, you can't put the camera there. He's just doing it what he thinks is going to look good. Exactly. Yeah. And it's super interesting. Yeah, it's experimental, I guess, to an mm. extent. It, I really dug that. Now, I completely forgot about all those kind of shots. But yeah, there was some really interesting kind of things that he's done with the camera though. And the and the editing as well is so on point with it with cutting to the beats and specific movements and like starting shots with people jumping and landing into frame that, and stuff. I guess that kind of like lends into my point of it feeling like two different films. Yeah. Because the first part is so top heavy with the musical numbers, so the choreographer would have directed the majority of that versus the second part which is so heavy with everything else yep. and it was directed by somebody else mm. you can kind of feel the two different styles like, yeah. like you said one feels darker after the intermission mm. versus the other which is more colourful and I believe Robert Wise kind of helped a lot with like say for instance the the, the ball sequence yep. where uh, Maria and Tony first meet and you have those wonderful sequences where everything washes away yeah. and there's like these star wipes <laughs> yeah there's a lot of weird transitions yeah. and star wipes but it's visually very interesting yeah. and it's very filmic. It was surprising to see in that film. Yeah, it, it's trippy as hell. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, like the scene where like Maria like spins around and it blurs into Technicolor mm. and then as that's our transition. But yeah, the scene where Maria and Tony first meet and everything, all the lights wash away and yeah. it's just the two of them with these twinkling star things. Like 
that's very clearly Robert Weiss helping to facilitate like a very filmic way to transition and progress these scenes across. But yeah, um, yeah that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, Robert Weiss, uh, I'm so, th- there's a couple of people in this film that I want to blow your mind with. Yeah. Uh, Robert Weiss, we'll kick off with him. Uh, he is a very well-known director. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I've got his IMDb filmography up here. So he was just one of those guys who worked in a lot of genre films like Body Snatchers, Game of Death, Criminal Court. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> very kind of standard things until 1951. Mm-hmm. When he directed a little film called The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest science fiction films of all yes, time. Yes, indeed. And then uh, following on from oh, that... Yeah, so, he did something crazy after that as well. Uh, Run Silent, Run Deep, which is yeah. a great movie, and then West Side Story. Following that, he did The Haunting in 1963. Yeah. Uh, Sound of Music. Yeah. The Andromeda Strain. <laughs> I haven't seen Sound of Music. Uh, ooh, we gotta add that to the list then. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. So he was a big kind of stock standard studio guy, but in amongst his stuff that he would make, he would drop these gems yeah. in there. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. I d- didn't didn't know that. Like, So he was a guy that had been in the industry for a very long time, was a workhorse guy, yeah. but again, would periodically drop these amazing little gems. And this was kind of really the one that exploded for him. Yeah. yeah. Got him the budget for the next film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, secured his place succinctly on there at the uh, at the MGM lot. Yeah. yeah, this is an MGM film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, United Artists, which is no longer a... Yeah, that's not a thing anymore, is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, poor Chaplin. <laughs> Were there any other, like, major... Like, I eventually want to get into, like, favourite character or favourite song, but, like, as, as the film kind of progressed, what were the kind of key standout moments for you? Did you have many? Quick look through my notes. Not really. Like, I didn't really take any notes. It was... I was too busy enjoying the music. Which is a great signal that it's a good movie, then. Yeah, like, um... It's... It's... I don't know, yet. The, the whole, just the whole production was really nice. Like, the whole subtleness of the colours, you know, it's just so obvious and so old, done. And, unless it needs to be <laughs> when you have certain scenes, like when you were saying when Mar- after Bernardo has died and Maria is pining, she's in her bedroom there with the stained glass windows and it's just, all of a sudden, it's these muted colours with this vibrancy outside and you're like, oh, you're not overdoing this? Yeah. Like, it's... you're picking and choosing your moments to... Like have your emotional impact with your visuals. Yeah, it's I really like dug all of that. They did that. Thought that was done really well. So from yeah, from that technical and like production productive standpoint, it was really good. I really I just really dug this film. I just had a great time throughout it, except for like the probably the last last part. And that's, yeah, mate, that's a that's a thing on me. No, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It makes sense now. We've talked it through, but I just guess I wanted more musical numbers. That's, yeah, that's what I my biggest criticism for it would be is mm. just more music more musical numbers I'm, I'm paying for a musical yeah, I want music exactly it's like none of this crap I don't care that your lovers like Green Murdered I've blah, seen blah, I studied blah. Romeo and Juliet yeah. in high school like it's everyone else I've seen the Baz Luhrmann version I don't need to see any more but uh, that being said I loved how very similar this was like, yeah. even, like that's the hilarity of it it's like you know, the meeting at the big ball and yeah. things, and then you've even got that followed up by the scenes on the... Ooh, instead of the balcony, it's the uh, the fire escapes on the end of the building. It's, it's, it's really well it's really well done, and I didn't even... I didn't realise it was a proper, like, mm. actual 
Romeo and Juliet story. Yeah, I just thought it was because I knew the story. Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't know that they were actually like actively going for that. You yeah. thought they were suddenly trying to rip it off. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> it's the sixties. Yeah, they, they were pulling a Lion King, not necessarily a low-key Shakespeare yeah, exactly. adaptation. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the acting quickly, because I think there are a couple of performances in this film that are absolutely incredible, and a couple that aren't. (laughs) Uh, So, I, like, I I guess, like, I haven't seen, I've only seen this once. Yeah. Um, the acting, I didn't pay too many attentions to the characters and the Mm -hmm. acting so much, I was just too enthralled with, like, the dance fighting. The dance fighting is just second to none. Like, oh, the choreography I, is next level. When I was in a gang, I know that whenever <laughs> we had to go sort out stuff, it would just be me and the boys and a bit of uh, a bit of pirouetting, a bit of backflipping, you know, just all over the place. And it always starts with a low snare drum bit and of clicks. A, bit of a click. <laughs> bit of a click. And that, that rim on the hi-hat. Yep. Walking in motion, like all hunched over and just all... Freaky. And it's a lot of like going up to someone and stepping up, but then like doing a flip and a twirl yeah. away. <laughs> Stealing people's basketballs. So, you know, yeah. that is what, like, it's a pretty spot on version of what gang life is like. Yeah, because you also were around in the 60s. Uh, so. That I was. <laughs> Little do people know, Toby is 78 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a gang called the uh, Blossoms, actually. Ooh, yeah. You guys hung around Central Park mostly. We had a cherry red vest. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah. yeah, so I didn't pay too much attention to much of the acting. Like, uh, my favourite character was A-Rod. I don't even know if he has anything to do with any of the other movie, but he's in the plate cool part, mm-hmm. and he just goes, pow! And he can't keep pow to himself. Cool it, A-Rod. Cool it, cool it. <laughs> go, go, go. Yeah. And I just like that because it sounds like he's got Tourette's. <laughs> and those people need to be put up on a pedestal. Yeah, they need to be... Yeah, it's not often you get to shine a light on those people yeah. in the cinema. It's great. Um, but yeah, it is one of those movies where you don't... It's hard to say who was your favourite character because, let's be honest, there's four or five. Yeah, it's and like then it's a yeah, Tony. And then it's Antoinette. the chorus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is, you can very much see why this is like a, high, a musical they do in high schools because it's like... All right, we're going to give parts to the kids that can actually act, yeah. and then all the other 30 of you that just want to be involved, you're off on the side. You're a tree. Yeah. No, you get to be a jet that goes, yeah, in the background, and your parents can take a photo, and it's great. Um, but I, the thing that... I, I alluded to it earlier. Like The thing that lets this film down for me slightly is I think Richard Bamer is very miscast as Tony. That's the woodluck creature. Riff. Do you ever stop to figure how many bubbles there are in one bottle of this here sort of bubble? He's very fake tanned and has the most shiny white, clearly done up teeth. He seems it's... like one of those like pin up like guys, you know, in the sixties kind yeah. of like one of those. He he seems like he should be on the set of uh, Bikini Beach Party yeah, Bingo. Yeah, something not, like that. Not like, in the streets of New York as a gang no, guy. He doesn't come across as very gang ganglicious to me. Whereas like comparing that to the rest of the Jets, like in particular Russ Tamblin, I think is great. Who's he? He's Riff. I think Riff is he. He's great as like you know his like he's a low key like villain essentially. Like you know he's yeah. a, for quote like lack of a better term he's the bad guy in the film. You know the leader of the get the rival gang and you know the guys in the way of Tony Maria's yeah. love. 
but at the same time, he he looks age appropriate. Yeah. They've kind of not overdone his makeup. He actually looks like he's maybe nineteen. Yeah, and he, while in his own words, he's not the best dancer. His singing, and he's not also a great singer, but he. It helps. Yeah. yeah, but it also helps. Makes it realistic. Yeah, if and that, that's I think the problem with Richard Bamer is they hired him because he's a good singer and a good dancer, not because he necessarily. But in that part of someone being a gang leader, yeah, it's okay no, if they're no, off key a little yeah, bit. There's no edginess to him. Yeah, that, yeah. that's it exactly. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. And, <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, we have. Uh, George Takiris as Bernardo, who, for the little that he has in the film, he's great, I think. And he's the leader of the Sharks. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the and it's unanimously, like, you're an idiot if you don't agree, but Rita Moreno as Anita is... Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, like, she's, she's fantastic. I thought that her and even Maria were really great in it too as well. Yeah, well, Maria, like, she was one when I was watching with Claire, we got into a big, big deep dive on her at Natalie Wood who, like, this is coming right off of the bat of, like, Rebel Without a Cause and How Green Was My Valley. Before she got on the boat? Well before she got on the boat. <laughs> this is a good maybe uh, 10, 15 years okay. pre-boat. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just do a quick Google on what happened to Natalie Wood. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she... She's great. She is great. She like the the uh, and age appropriate. She was eighteen when this film was made. She looked like she was seventeen or something. Which then made us look up like how old was she in Rebel Without a Cause? And she was literally the age. She was sixteen when she made that. And you're like, oh wow! Like back in the day when they cast people who were that age to be that age. I I think the chicks, like the girls in this movie, were like yeah, those two were really well cast, really, really good for the acting wise. Like they. You couldn't fault them or mm. anything. They were just perfect, I think. Mm. Um, the other thing, like I also mentioned, uh, some other things to blow your mind uh, with this one that you might not have picked. I know for sure you didn't pick up on this one. Mm. Um, there are two cast members from Twin Peaks in this movie. Really? Yes. Who? Uh, well, Russ Tamblin, who plays Griff. Oh, yeah. That is Dr. Jacoby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the immortal words of Pete Seeger, if I had a hammer, guess what? I've got a hammer! <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew, okay, I said that now, I knew that now, that makes sense, yep. And the other one that I actually didn't know, I, I don't know why this has eluded me, but um, I was like, he looks familiar, and like, the name's very familiar, Richard Bamer, like, what do I know him from? Oh yeah, that is familiar. He's Benjamin Horn, the guy who runs, who owns the hotel yeah, in what? Twin Peaks. Oh, really? He's Audrey's dad. Really? Mmm, that is incredible, Jack. <laughs> So apparently that was like, and that even leans even further into the David Lynch of like Americana, like, hey, I'm going to cast two guys who are in West Side Story yeah. to be in my soap David Lynch did West Side Story. Oh man, like, I'm trying to think <laughs> you'd get I, him if he's doing, ever done you'd a get him doing the music. Oh no, he'd have Trent Reznor for sure. <laughs> like <laughs> Trent Reznor, or uh, no, uh, what am I saying? You need Angelo Badalamenti <laughs> doing the, the music, of course. <laughs> that synthy goldness. But uh, like, yeah, I, I just I love that. Yeah, like that's, the, that's crazy. I wouldn't have even thought. That's I, movie's old. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the movie's old. Thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was uh, like okay. 
I think before we kind of start to wrap up the conversation, uh, the most important thing is, what was your favorite song? I think Krup- Krupke. Yep. I think it's just purely because of Larry David. Dear kindly Sergeant Krupke, you gotta understand, it's just our bringing up key that gets us out of hand. Our mothers all are junkies, our fathers all are drunks. Golly Moses, naturally we're punks. I think, I think Krupke. Or the first song. I really do love the first song. Well, the first song's more of like an interlude and kind of an entryway. Yeah. Um, Officer Kropke, actually, it turned out that was banned by the BBC upon initial release yeah, because of its mentions of uh, drug tra- use and, and. Yeah, and my, my brother wears a dress. Yep, the sexual ambiguity is the uh, <laughs> official thing. Yeah. Um, but apparently, the, in the original stage version, it was way harsher, actually, and oh, really? like really more explicitly with drug abuse and stuff. And they were like, no, we're in the motion picture business now, kid. You gotta, you gotta trim that out. <laughs> well, yeah, that and probably I'm so pretty. That's my number one. Yeah. That That is. I don't, yeah, that's that's something that has seeped into my life and, like, you know, just me and my brother used to jokingly sing around the house. It's like, you know, it's it's such a fun, happy little song. Why did you and your brother watch this movie? You didn't have any sisters. I think it, no, I think this would have uh, slipped into our consciousness through, like, some Looney Tunes cartoons, probably. Yeah, okay. Like, some early 90s, like, some Pinky in the Brain or yeah. Animaniacs would have had a reference to it, and then... That's what blows my mind, is that I grew up with two sisters and i never seen this movie. But it's, again, not one of those musicals you go to. It's, it's it's not a Grease. It's not a, you know, one of those happy family musicals. So I haven't seen Singing in the Rain, but I know that's been on and my sisters have watched that. Yeah, Singing in the Rain, I, I think as well because it's not nearly three hours long. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess before we wrap it up, was there anything else before I jump into some trivia and some factoids for you? Yeah, I think we've gotten pretty much everything I wanted to say Yeah. out there. And, you know, we'll, we'll do our final thoughts soon. Yeah. But, uh I'll, I'll break it down a little bit for you. So the film had a budget of $6 million and it went on to gross $43.7 million at the box office yes. in 1961. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that's about $380 million. But again, 1961. <laughs> uh, it was the highest grossing film of 1961. Yep. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. How many did it win? 10. Whoa, whoa, wow. It is one. It so it's one film, one award shy of the record. What didn't it win? Uh, I don't know what it didn't win. I've got what it did win. Yeah. <laughs> so it won best music, best editing, best sound, best costume, best art direction. So it's all technical. Best cinematography. Okay. Best supporting actor for George Chakiris okay. playing Bernardo. Yeah. And again, best supporting actress for Rita Moreno. Deservedly so. Yeah. Uh, she actually became the first uh, Puerto Rican or Latino woman to win an Academy Award. Oh, wow. Uh, best director. For uh, Weiss. Uh, Rice and we- uh, Weiss and Jerome Robbins. So he got one as well. They, he was fired. Because he is credited as the director. Huh. He, good old director's guild. Yep. Up. Uh, so this was the first film uh, to win Best Director where two yeah, directors, directors won. Yeah. Uh, that would not happen again for another 46 years. Which was... No Country for Old Men with the Coen Brothers. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's the only two times it has ever happened. And then, of course, it also won Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, It also won three Golden Globes, the DGA Award, the WGA Award, two Grammys, and was inducted into the National Film Registry in 1997. So did it EGOT? Did it win a Tony? Uh, yes, the original version did, yes. So, <laughs> so this is a project that he got it. <laughs> Not an individual. 
Although I'm probably sure uh, Jerome, uh, maybe Soddenheim has then definitely Egon. Yeah, he must have. Yeah, and Leonard Bernstein, maybe. Huh. Um, now, I've just got some random little bits of trivia that are interesting. Uh, during the production, the actors wore out 200 pairs of shoes. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, they applied more than 100 pounds of makeup. Yeah, and that, they... that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And apparently 27 pairs of pants were split. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, there's a lot of flips and jumps. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, do you want to hear a little bit of alternate casting? Oh, really? Who else would they cast? Well, Russ Tamblin originally tried out for the role of Tony, and it was down to just him and Richard Boehmer for the role. Okay. And Boehmer obviously ended up getting it, uh, but then they ca- uh, but then the casting director called him back and asked him to read for Riff. Because he, he apparently had never even considered the part of Riff. He was just always going for Tony. And then yeah. made it down to the last two. And they were like, this guy's pretty good. Let's bring him back in. Huh. Uh, Robert Weiss' original choice to play Tony was Elvis Presley. Okay, that would have been interesting. Yep. That would have been a completely different film. Uh, however, Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, I refused. Uh, since Elvis would only sing six of the 12 songs... <laughs> <laughs> and because he would not have exclusive rights to the soundtrack. Jeez. Good old Colonel Tom Parker. Good damn. <laughs> uh, Audrey Hepburn was offered the role of Maria, but no. she turned it down because she was pregnant with her uh, with her son at the time. Yeah, I think Wood does a better cast. She re- she did a really good job, I think, yeah. with it. Yeah, well, I think she's better. Mm. But um, yeah. So I mean, again, wrapping this episode up, we always end with you finally saw West Side Story. <laughs> Final thoughts. Would you recommend this film? I would recommend this in a heartbeat. I loved it. Yeah. Even though I, I, all that negative stuff I said about the, se- the second part... It We're being constructive. Yeah. We're, we're having a dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense in the grand scheme of things, and, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I would recommend it to anyone at least once. I really dug it, and I'm glad I watched that movie. <laughs> On a scale of... Uh, Braveheart to West Side Story Braveheart now? Braveheart to West Side Story. I'd put this in a West Side Story. All right. A bit, right. Hi- a bit higher than a Braveheart. Yep. I think, yeah. A bit higher than a... Uh, quite a bit higher than Braveheart, yep. I reckon. About, I, about five higher than Braveheart. Okay. <laughs> well, it, yeah, we're, we're slowly pinpointing this. So after we get a few more films in, we're going to... We're going to have a graphic that we're going to be able to start sharing with everybody to see where they are on the floating scale. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I guess it's probably it'll time be, we... It'll be an XY graph. Yeah. So it'll be, there'll be a center point and then you'll have Braveheart down like in the bottom left and the West Side Story will be... And this. then the, it's kind of nebulous and it's yeah. going to float and change yeah. as we kind of move along. Just, yeah. just so you guys know. Yeah. We're planning ahead. Yeah. Uh, speaking of planning ahead, it's about that time where we were... Good, reviewing... the bad, the ugly! Oh, jumping in there before. Yeah. So uh, I'm very, very excited for this uh, because it turns out Toby has never seen one of the coolest movies ever. I do not know Western movies to save myself, like many other film genres, but Western especially... I grew up with them around me. My granddad would watch them all the time, but I never paid any attention to them because they were all sandy and boring. And looked old. Yeah, (laughs) I "I don't care for this. And, I mean, for people of our generation, Clint Eastwood has been old forever. He's still alive, which is why. And just about to direct a new film, apparently. I thought he quit. No, he quit acting. But he's still directing. But then he, he said he quit acting, but then he came back and did The Mule. See, I thought he quit directing as well. No, no, he's still directing. Um, yeah. God, he needs to stop. Richard Jules sucked. Not... Re- oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just... It was just not what it... I would have preferred the uh, DiCaprio, uh, Jonah Hill, Scorsese version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh... 
Anyway. We should do a Clint Eastwood podcast. Well, I mean, that's what we're teeing up for next week. <laughs> we're gonna. That's true. Uh, yeah, so jumping back, I echo exactly what Toby said. This movie, West Side Story, fantastic. Seek it out if you've never seen it. It is a classic worth watching. Um, but otherwise, we will be back in a fortnight's time with uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. We will indeed. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Toby. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Gee, Officer Krupke, we're very upset. We never had the love that every child ought to get. Oh, Officer Krupke, what are we to do? Gee, Officer Krupke, Krupp you. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.